To hire drivers, you've got to work fast and smart. Did you know Driver Pulse, a driver-facing mobile app from 10th Street, is two to three times more effective than texting and four to five times more effective than email at getting drivers to respond? Driver Pulse is the largest source of free driver applications in trucking, downloaded by almost two million drivers to find jobs, complete training, and communicate with carriers. Companies find who they're looking for, and drivers find their homes with Driver Pulse from 10th Street a name you trust. That's 10street.com. T-E-N-street.com. Welcome back to another edition of Chat Call. Today we're covering training and continuous learning for employees. Today we are joined by Sasha Seymour, the co-founder of Learn to Win. Welcome to Chat Call, Sasha. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, some of you might recognize Sasha's face from the future of supply chain in Cleveland. Uh, we were lucky enough to get him back on this show to cover our favorite topic, one of, or at least one of my favorite topics, is training. Before we get too far into that, why don't we get some background on you, Sasha, and why you started Learn to Win? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, guess maybe a 30-second, two-minute background on me and our, our company and our origin. Uh, so I'm Originally from New Bern, North Carolina, uh, I went to the University of North Carolina. Uh, my senior year at Chapel Hill, I actually walked onto the men's basketball program. And uh, for me, it was this lifelong dream come true. It was a childhood dream come true. Uh, and when I joined the team, they handed me this kind of giant three-ring notebook and said, hey, go study this and memorize this. This is going to be your playbook. Uh, I remember I took it home with me uh, and I was studying it in my dorm room. And my roommate at the time was the student body president at Chapel Hill. And Andrew's big push while he was student body president was to change the way that we were doing traditional learning and education at the university. So switching us away from the sort of standard model that you may be familiar with from your university days of stage on the stage professor uh, sort of talking for an hour, hour and a half, you kind of frantically taking notes on it. It's much more of a blended learning and an active learning, um, which is where you get a little bit of formation and then do a quiz question. You do a little bit of formation and then you work together in a group, really forcing you to engage with the actual material itself. And so uh, what Andrew was seeing as he was flipping these courses and switching them over to more of a, a blended learning or an active learning model was that they were getting 30%, 40% uh, improvements in terms of overall outcomes for students. Uh, and Andrew and I said, well, basically, what if we could take that same style of learning, what we could, we could take those sort of best practice and techniques in education and bring them to the world of competitive athletics. Um, so ultimately, what he and I thought up was essentially a Rosetta Stone or a Duolingo type of learning experience where you'd get a little bit of information followed by a quiz questionnaire, a little bit of information, then um, asked to basically perform or work uh, on that thing, actually demonstrate your proficiency in it, um, designed in these three to five minute, really interactive, really engaging micro-learning modules, um, but designed in a way so that any sort of coach or instructor could build and create the content. So I think um, I am a subject matter expert in this particular area, but I can build and create the content really easily. And then this very in-depth analytics suite to give that coach or instructor data and insight into here's what people are getting right, here's what people are getting wrong, et cetera. And so Andrew and I then went on to grad school together at Stanford, where we ultimately launched the platform. We originally grew in that competitive athletics and training space where we've got about 100 different athletic products, everything from Michigan football to the Baltimore Ravens to we actually do all the training and onboarding for the PGA Tour. Um, but then realized that there were lots of different places where there was this high performance bar of training where you needed to build and create custom content very quickly and effectively. Um, that sort of is very similar to what we were doing with these athletic programs. So then ended up transitioning that technology over into 
the U.S. military, which is actually our largest partnership group, and now Fortune 500 companies. We're good at everything from Chick-fil-A to uh, pharmaceutical teams like Novartis and AbbVie, and uh, now here in the uh, the logistics space. I actually really like that because one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show, we had um, Desmond Clark on the show and how we talked about how, you know, former athletes make really, really great freight brokers because they have that, you know, that drive, that can't quit attitude, the ability to just get back up after they've been knocked down a few times. Um, and I think that that kind of also goes into that training model as well, because if you have the athletes that are you know, already familiar with some of this, like, you know, bite-sized training, or we're going to, I'm going to explain this play and then we're going to go do it. I think that that really actually lends itself very nicely to that training program, because I can't tell you how many training classes I've sat through where you sit there and maybe in an all-day meeting and someone gives a presentation and an hour into their presentation couldn't even tell you what it's about because I've already checked out. And um, it's just, it doesn't hold my attention the way that you know, a short bit of information and then, okay, well, now we're going to do it. We're going to explain kind of that um, show it, like show one, do one, teach one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we started working with freight brokers, it was this like very easy transition of like, oh, this is the same population of people that we've been working with in the U.S. military and in high elite athletic training performances and now they're just working in freight and but it's the same people it's the same drive and honestly it's very similar types of playbooks of information that you need to learn and then go actually execute on so it's just a very easy transition for us oh absolutely because you still have that like fundamental knowledge that everybody needs to know about the organization or about the team or whatever and then you have like that next step which is like okay this is everything that you should know in specifics to your role and how it come, feeds into everything um so i really like it um, but what's one of the kind of like the main importance and things like what's kind of the main important that comes with, you know, some strong training and, you know, continuing education for employees or athletes or anything like that? What is the why? What has kind of been that biggest thing that you've seen end up being the most successful? I mean, I think to, to answer that question, maybe I'll just talk about one of our partners uh, and the success that they've uh, been able to see using our software and using our platform. So. Uh, if you'll remember at the Future Supply King Conference, uh, I got a chance to interview Kevin Nolan, who was the founder of NTG Freight, he's the founder of OTR Solutions, founder of uh, Everything Under the Sun. And I uh, talked to him a little bit about the impact that they've seen basically using our software. And so uh, they basically use us for freight broker onboarding, um, essentially coming in and taking uh, what they had for their original program, which was several weeks long. It was a lot of in-person training. It was a lot of PowerPoint. Uh, and basically, we took that material and their team basically used our software to build and create a series of micro learning modules. And they started uh, basically putting it even prior to when people would show up. So people would get material in almost a pre-work format in these interactive, engaging learning modules. And then the NTG Freight leadership team would get data on what people were getting right and wrong as they were going through the program. And then they were able to then tailor and adjust their sort of live training events, uh, that precious time that they had in person with people towards those gaps in knowledge and understanding across the teams. And what that sort of shift in mindset of sort of taking the pre-work material and pushing it out of the live trading session, putting in these really interactive learning experiences and then getting the data and insight of what people were missing, what that allowed them to do was is the A, shorten the amount of time that they were having for this onboarding session so they could get people out of the field faster. Um, B, it actually improved the overall performance. Uh, so Kevin talked about this a little bit, but they actually had the highest performing start class they've ever had in a down market after they switched to using our software. 
Um, and then three, we were able to reduce their overall attrition rate. And so they were seeing a six months churn rate of about 40-ish percent of people who um, would go out there and basically not feel comfortable or confident and be able to perform. And then we re- reduced that to around 27%. And so it was basically across all the different metrics. It was like a shorter amount of time, but with actual better performance and with lower attrition rates uh, across almost everything that we did. And so um, he's a, a huge fan and and... It's funny, I was actually catching up with Kevin last week and he was like, yeah, uh, after we had such an amazing start class with that group, I was able to take the analytics that you provided our team about how that team was performing. And in our next board meeting, we were talking about reducing the size of that overall start class. The next one, because again, we're in a down market, I said, no, this team is performing really well. Uh, Here's some of the analytics around how this team is performing and what they know. Let's actually not do that. And so to be able to have a software that then is impacting even board level decisions. Um, it was really cool as a founder to be able to have and hear an experience like that from somebody that we're working with for serving. That has to be absolutely like next level kind of impressive because you always know that like, you know, you've created this software, you've created something that is helping people and benefiting people, but to actually see it like up at that level where, you know, even senior leadership sees the value in this, in this training, in this development of people that had that had to be like a really nice moment. Yeah, it was it was definitely cool. I think, um, and when you think about the journey of an entrepreneur, uh, this original idea again was a thing that I was sitting in my college dorm room with my uh, my roommate, my best friend, and we were talking about how we could basically build and create a software tool to potentially help athletes learn their playbooks faster and more effectively. And to go from that sort of earliest idea that you're talking about with a buddy in your dorm room to then grow and grow and grow to the point where you're sitting across the room from a very successful freight entrepreneur and very successful freight broker and him telling you your software helped change the way that I run my company and I run my business. Uh, it's sort of that entrepreneur's dream of building something that has in. Now that I know that it was going to be leading into freight brokers, like not necessarily, but I think that's part of being a successful entrepreneur is finding the places where your tool can really solve a problem and leaning into. Oh, absolutely. I um, I can't tell you how many times I've come across something and someone's asked me something and I've gone, oh, actually, this would be a really great application for this. And they're like, wait a second, that's a thing? Like what? And it's just kind of, you know, talking to people and getting that knowledge of, you know, it might be a weird product to bring in at first, but then after you bring it in, you're like, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. And um, I actually love that you guys have been able to go everywhere from athletes to government contracts now to freight brokerages it's kind of cool um but i guess when it comes to um you know these kind of micro lessons and everything like that personally as someone who's attempted duolingo many times there's no fault of duolingos i just you know get bored and distracted etc i actually really would prefer to have my learning in this um situation um so kind of what is what is one of the things that if someone's going to go out and get a learning platform or they're going to start working on a training program, what's one of those most important things that they need to look at when they're out, you know, shopping different vendors? Because every vendor will promise to solve all of your problems. But what are those green flags and red flags that you need to look out for? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I think there's obviously a lot of different things that go into a learning platform uh, and what you're ultimately trying to solve for. Are you looking for something that's going to be a full company solution? Are you looking to do mostly like HR and leadership trainings? Are you looking to trade on something that's much more job specific around what people need to learn at their particular company or organization? Um, I mean, I think the thing that 
Learn to Win has really tried to focus on. There's obviously lots of different aspects that you can lean into as you're developing a software. And you're thinking about, well, obviously you want to make the user experience really easy. Obviously you want to make the ability to build content uh, really fast and effective. Obviously you want to make uh, people actually learn from your material. You want to make it easy for them to access. Um, but there's different things that you can sort of put your chips on as you're building and developing your software of like, what are the most valuable things we think that people will actually want to use. And, uh, for us, where we really feel like we've leaned in the most, uh, and it's mostly been from what we've heard consistently from the partners that we worked with, um, is actually the analytics around what's the data and information that we can provide a leadership team about most importantly, what their teams know. And then even more importantly than that, what do their teams not? Um, I'll give an example. When we were first building our software originally for these athletic programs, we uh, ran sort of a quiz in a class on uh, a team's playbook with one of the college athletic coaches. And then we showed him the data afterwards and we said, hey, uh, here's the completion rates for all of your various teams. Uh, and he kind of looked at it and he was like, well, that completion rate is like, sure, it's nice to know they completed it, but like, I was expecting them to complete it. Like, tell me what they're, tell me what they don't know so that I don't look silly when on Saturday, uh, my wide receiver runs the wrong route and there's an interception and that's a coaching mistake. And I screwed up because my player wasn't prepared. And it was this kind of light bulb moment for us of like, oh, wait, like what's really important for us as a software and as a training platform is to show those teams and leadership here's the gaps in knowledge where your teams don't know, like they don't know important information that you would expect them to know. Or maybe here's the areas that maybe they, they're able to get right on a multiple choice exam, uh, but they're not able to verbalize it correctly. Or maybe they're just overall not particularly confident in themselves and their ability to do it. And by showing and highlighting those gaps to leadership, they can say, oh, crud, like this is the area that we need to fix ASAP. This is the potential air force plane that might have crashed because somebody didn't know what they were doing this is the interception that might have gotten thrown but didn't happen this is the time your free burger got in front of somebody and said something that was totally wrong or had to go look something up instead of being able to perform live and those like potential errors or potential mistakes that are out looming in the future like that's the thing that we've seen has been most important for the partners that we work with um and so that's what we've leaned into the most and so Obviously, there's different factors that you'd want to consider as where you're thinking about what learning platform you want to provide for your teams. But for us, if you're really looking to drive impact in the organization, that's the one we've seen to be the most, the key biggest driver. It's like, do you know what your people know uh, or not? I think that has to be that one, like, it seems so small, but that one piece of the like, visibility into, you know, what people don't or don't know or aren't confident on. I feel like that has to be, like you mentioned, an absolute game changer because if you walk up to someone and say, hey, do you know this? They're going to more often than night, more often than likely go, yeah, I, I know that. But like, they're not going to say like, hey, this is something that I don't understand or this is something I'm not confident on um, because no one really wants to admit those shortcomings, especially in such like a public forum or it, even in regards to work because they don't want to be like, oh, well, you don't understand it. So we're going to let you go. Um not that anyone would do that, but it's always that like a lingering fear that some people have. Um, I feel like this is just that nice way to kind of almost kind of fly it under the radar and like that note you slide in class of like, hey, we should focus on this instead of this because, uh, you know, everybody's struggling. Well, I mean, it's it's not just like the the piece of, 
I mean, people just have a natural tendency to either a, it's embarrassing to say that you don't know something. Uh, but then, uh, B, a lot of times they don't know that they should know this. Like, it's like, oh, I didn't even realize that was an important thing for me to know. I didn't realize that was a gap in my overall understanding. But then for a, a teacher or an instructor, like, you don't want to be spending time covering stuff that people already know. Uh, if it's not helpful or useful, if you're just sitting up there droning and it turns out that everybody already knows this information, like, that's not useful for you either. And so we found it to be a two-way street of value, both in terms of what students are able to get out of their program. Uh, and helping highlight things that they didn't know without it being this sort of embarrassing, awkward, uh, like I'm highlighting that I'm a doofus or I'm not as what we're trying to say, but like I'm highlighting that I don't know something, which is a hard thing to admit. Um, but then also for the instructors to be able to say, okay, I'm really not wasting my time up here talking about something that everybody already knows, but I'm really spending my time on the most valuable, important things. And I know that my training matters because I'm, I know that these people don't know these things and it's important that they do know them. I feel like that has to almost be game changing, especially especially in like a brokerage setting, because you will if you have everyone take these quizzes and you see that, OK, well, here's four people that really struggle with this one concept and here's other people that struggle with others. I feel like that kind of makes it so you can break out into smaller training sessions and kind of say, OK, well, you know, not that you four failed this test in this area, but let's maybe review some things and this is what we're going to focus on in this training. And it just kind of lets you break those groups up because you're never going to have the entire freight brokerage floor off for training at the exact same time. There's going to be breaks. There's going to be scheduling. So someone's always there to answer the phones and handle. Um, but I feel like that's got to help like form those groups that you pull of maybe those who aren't as confident or are really struggling with it. They're going to go in one area and then everyone else will kind of, you just kind of break it out by weaknesses and, Everyone might have a little different training twist to it because that way, you know, you don't have people who are like, oh, I can do this backwards and forwards in the same class as those who say, uh, yeah, this is not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what we're able to do is basically highlight the areas that people don't know, help you sort of target that with very like much more targeted reinforcement learning and reinforcement knowledge. Um, and then I, I think that there's an element uh, to it as well where... Uh, what we're able to do is basically split uh, what people need to work on very, very, what I'm looking for, like very deeply into the various different groups that they might be in. So we can be able to highlight for you, okay, across, um, I mean, NTG uses across Chicago and Atlanta and all of their other various different offices. We're able to say, okay, well, it looks like when you're doing an onboarding here in Chicago, they're actually not learning this thing. Uh, and that's what they need to be focusing on in a way that Atlanta seems to have that. And so it kind of helps to highlight gaps across various different regions, about various different start classes, and being able to have that just insight into all the various different nuances that go into someone's experience at a much more like higher leadership level has been also very valuable for the partners that we worked with. I absolutely love that. And it's one of those things like I didn't even know that like I wanted out of a training program, uh, but I'm very grateful that you guys offer that. Um, so we're running out of time, but I've two questions left for you one of them's a fan favorite but we'll get to the other one first um what would you say is that number one thing that you say to someone who's maybe a little hesitant or doesn't necessarily see the value in investing in some sort of training and um creating content for employees to continue their yeah um it's a good question i mean i think um i would say that i mean from a training perspective most people get the value in 
training, most people are like, okay, I get that if I put people out on the floor, they're going to, and they're not trained properly, they're going to screw up. They're going to mess up. Like they're going to leave. They're going to do all these things. Like, I mean, it's almost self-evident that training is the lifeblood of any real organization. I think the things that cause them to hesitate around implementing new training programs from what I've seen, are it's kind of twofold. One is the impact of actually building and creating the training content. It's like, ah, that's a lot of work. It's already in my PowerPoints or we already talked to it live. Like I don't want to go through the effort of actually transitioning this over into a different software platform. And the way that we solved that at Learn to One is kind of threefold. The first one is that we built a really easy authoring platform. We like to say that it's so easy that a football coach can do it because all of our first uh, all of our first clients were football coaches and they're very, very smart, but not necessarily super tech savvy. Um, the second thing that we've done is actually built around a professional services team uh, that essentially comes in and helps uh, our partners build and create content. You can hand us however many PowerPoints or whatever trains you have and we'll work with you to basically build and create uh, really excellent trainings in our software. Uh, the third thing that we're really leaning into right now is a lot of the new work in generative AI. Um, and basically saying, hey, if you have all these PowerPoints, we can basically transfer them very quickly into uh, a learning format and a learning experience and learn to win almost immediately and instantly um, or and or using generative AI to help create some of that uh, content originally. And that's something that we've been thinking about for a long time at Learn to Win. And then suddenly with all the advancements in generative AI of the past couple of months, it's been something that we've really been able to bring to, to reality. Um, I think the second thing that we hear very frequently is I want people out performing. I don't want them uh, to take time out for training. Um, and that's where we've really leaned into this micro learning experience um, and the availability of the software itself. So we're available on mobile, on tablet, on laptop. So you can take the trainings when you're in line at Starbucks, uh, wherever you happen to be. And part of that continuation effort and continuation training is that we're not trying to pull people out of their jobs. We want them to be out there performing. That's the whole point of this is that we want them to perform better. Um, so we've just made it really fast and easy to take that training. It's five, 10 minutes, do it on your cell phone. You get all the data back on what people are getting right and wrong. And then you know that when you do pull somebody out for training, it's on the thing that they might be messing up and you're not pulling them out for, I don't know, stuff that's not necessarily or stuff that's not important. And so those are usually the two things I hear is like, ah, it's a burden to actually create this. And uh, I don't want to pull my people out for training. You don't want them performing. And that's where we've really leaned in to try to solve those problems. Just like, hey, let's make it really easy to get your stuff in. And hey, let's not try to take people out for things that aren't like critically important for how your business actually operates and performs. I absolutely love that because that is one of the biggest things you hear is they don't want to take everyone off the floor for a training for an hour if it's not really getting any value. But, you know, if you know over time that like this person or these groups of people continually miss stuff, then, um, Suddenly, you know, if they take that 30 minutes to get that training, it might result in, you know, strong revenue returns, which is fantastic. Um, but we are running out of time, but there's a question. Everyone that comes on the show has to answer. Are you ready for it? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Hit me with this question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Huh. That's a great question. Uh, I, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, it is a... It is a it is meat in between two pieces of bread, but I would have to say no. And here's 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 where I come at. It. I've got I've got two different angles. I'm going to come at the thing. I think the first one is when you think about just structurally uh, a a 
uh, a sandwich, you've got two pieces of bread and then you've got meat in the middle and the bread is not connected. However, when I think about a hot dog, there's definitely a connection there in the back. And so that therefore would put it out of the sandwich category. Um, and then I think the second piece of the way that I would think about this is just like a reasonable person clause. Like if somebody was to walk up to you and say, look at my nice, like, look at my nice hot dog sandwich. I think a reasonable person would probably be expected to like slap that thing out of their hands and be like, no, no, no. Like you get that hot dog sandwich out of my face. That's not a real thing. And so I just, I got to say it's no, it's not a sandwich. Thank you. I also am team not a sandwich. Because like you go to a nice deli, you're not going to see a hot dog on the menu. It's just not a thing. And, you know, to me, like the a good deli is the authority on all things sandwiches because, you know. Well, I, I mean, if we're calling a hot dog, I mean, that's just really like sandwich anarchy. If a hot dog is considered a sandwich, then what is a toaster strudel a sandwich too? Is a burrito a sandwich? Like we need to have standards. So if anyone wants to reach out about your hot takes on hot dogs or um, any, you know, bonus points or bonus tips that come from micro learning lessons, where can they find you outside the show? Yeah, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Sasha Seymour. Um, you can find us on our website, www.learntoy.com. You can also shoot me an email, Sasha at learntoy.com. Uh, would love to uh, would love to connect to chat more. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sasha. Cool. Thanks, Mary. I really appreciate the time. Find Chet Cola Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible Freight Waves podcasts such as Loaded and Rolling and Tracks Through Time. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Chet Call. See you on the internet. Mm-hmm.